Pipe It Up fans and listeners. If you remember a few weeks ago when Jack and I were talking over All-Star Break, you probably recall me saying, just wait guys, it's going to get crazier and it's going to get crazier. And I think it is about that time. So let's get into it this week. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. It's been a wild weekend, folks. Once again, um, Jack, thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Of course, as always pleasure and we are joined by a couple more special guests as well being jonah heath and jimmy norp the men of the hour i must say after that big series win against the eagles fellas thanks for joining us tonight tom jack great to be here good to hear your voices thanks for having us back on it's always a pleasure jim jonah thank you to you too thank you thanks for having me fellas i mean i'm not gonna say i called it i know it's only one series there's still a lot of with ball to be played but i did say at the all-star break i had high hopes in you guys to bounce back and um and that you did and in the most unlikely of ways too i want to say you guys were down to your last strike in that first game is that right jonah i think so i think i believe you were down to your very last strike <laughs> and managed to hit a walk-off against a guy who has not let up a run the entire season um jack what did you think when you saw that for the first time in the video well, honestly, um, Jonah, I've I've you know grown to know you a little bit more, and I'm definitely a fan of yours uh, of your game, and I, I think we could both agree that maybe up until this point, it hasn't been the year that you maybe individually um, ha- had expected for yourself, as well as the Diamondbacks as a whole. So honestly, when I uh, saw that play, I was more excited for Jonah and you, your guys' team than I was even really thinking about the fact that, wow, that was the first run that Dallas let up. But it was just an incredible play and incredible series. And like I said, I, I was happy for you guys that you guys got the job done. Yeah, congratulations, fellas. That was a hard-earned series victory. And I want to ask you, Jonah, let's talk right about that that first walk-off home run in Game 1 because... It was just typical 2022 Eagles wiffle ball up until that point, right? It was dominant. Dallas Allen just sitting guys down in every which way possible. Solid defense. Um, the Eagles always grinding a couple runs across that solid lineup. And what I'm curious about, Jonah, is because, like you, I've been playing this game for a pretty long time. And I do have home runs and at-bats where I'm confident and I'm like, okay, I'm going to deliver right here. And then I see my pitch and I and I do. And there's other moments where it's like, oh my God, I just made contact there. Like, what was that at bat like for you? Was it was it a confident A B or was it more of like a okay, we're one strike away from losing this thing. I gotta just defend the plate and see what happens. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely say it was a confident at bat. Like I feel like I was seeing I've seen the ball out of Dallas's hand pretty well all game. So I would just I didn't <clears throat> I didn't think I would maybe, you know, win the game right there, but I definitely thought there was gonna be a good outcome in that at bat. All right. I like it. I like the confidence. And Jim, when you see a guy like Jonah, who you know has a lot of potential and who who showed that last year, when he delivers in that moment, what's going through your head? Yeah, you know, it's no secret that Jonah's been struggling at the plate this year. He was due for a big series when I was on first base. I feel like that at bat before, Dallas kind of pitched around me, kind of hoping I was going to chase outside the zone, get myself out, that kind of thing. But I'm always confident in Jonah. I'm always confident in Shima. I'm still confident in these guys. They're good hitters. When I was on first base, actually, right when he hit it, it, the ball started like right over my head at first base. I was just praying that ball didn't go foul, <laughs> stayed fair. The boys went nuts and we needed a big win. So it was good that Jonah could deliver for us. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he did it a lot last year. He was a big reason why you guys won that World Series and uh, to see him contribute in a big way. And, and not only game one, but also um, throughout the entire series. So winning that first game, Jimmy and Jonah, for both of you, 
How crucial do you think that moment is in terms of trying to right the ship this year? Yeah, I mean, I can start by answering this one. I mean, uh, Nick Saylor was actually at this series, and after Jonah hit the home run, I kind of walked out to center field, and he just looked at me. He was like, momentum, momentum. Like He was like, this is big for momentum. And you saw that when we came out guns a-blazing in game two. I mean, unfortunately, we blew that lead, but we came out hot against Dan, who's just as good a pitcher as Dallas, in my opinion. I mean, these guys are two of the top pitchers in the league right now. So it's pretty insane for our offense to be able to wake up like this. I feel like all three of us did a really good job of keeping both Dallas and Dan in the zone. We were swinging at strikes, looking at balls. And I mean, it's, it sounds pretty obvious, but that's a good way to win wiffle ball games when you're swinging at the strikes and looking at the balls. And even for uh, myself and Shima, like I feel like our stats, this series kind of didn't show up great. I want to say I had maybe two hits, Shima won, but I felt like we both did a good job putting the ball in play, setting up Jonah, who was red hot. And we got, when we got runners on base for Jonah, he did the job capitalizing and bringing us in. Yeah. Excellent work, fellas. That w- That's D-back wiffle ball right there. 100% D-back wiffle ball. I, uh, I, I had noticed, like, watching the, the video, it just seemed that, you know, that was obviously a big momentum play there at the end of game one. But it seemed like you guys just had a different sort of energy about you, even from the start of game one. And even though you weren't necessarily, like, getting all the hits in the beginning... Is it? It just seemed. It just seemed like a different Diamondbacks team. Like it seemed like the old Diamondback team. I saw flashes of the the great defense that you guys showed last year early in that game. Was there something that you said, Jimmy? Like, because this was obviously a pivotal series. So, what did you kind of try to relay to your team before before game one? Yeah, you know, it's it's been the same thing. I've kind of told the guys all year. Like, first and foremost, let's have fun. We're always our best when we have fun. But secondly, our record's two and seven. But I mean. We know we can play with any of these guys in this league, and that's what I always tell these guys. Like, we were a great team last year. Not much has changed. We're bringing back the same roster. And like you said, with our defense, I always tell us, we kind of laugh and joke about it. No matter how bad we're playing, we always know our defense is going to be there. And that's huge as a pitcher because the one thing I know is, like, throw strikes. Trust the guys behind you. They're going to make the plays. Throw strikes. Don't lose games on walks. And when you have that kind of defense that we have, it's just huge. So what I told the guys was, yeah, like, we're still a great team. The Eagles are eight and one, but you know, we swept them last year. They're pretty much the same team. Obviously Dallas Allen is a different mm-hmm. Dallas Allen. That guy's been insane <laughs> on the mound. So, but we know that we can hang with anybody and that's just our mindset heading to our final series. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah. The, the D-backs do have the Cobras to wrap up the year, but um, before we get into that, um, I do want to comment on as well. Cause I think this, maybe you think so, maybe you don't Jim, but in my opinion, I think it hundred percent does. Seeing the Gators get swept by the Mallards in Oklahoma and hearing about that prior to your series being played, did that get just a little extra win underneath the D-back sails? Because now, like, even up before your series and now, especially, like, you control your own destiny at this point. Yeah, that was, that was huge. So, actually, what I told my guys after the All-Star break is the Gators are finishing their schedule the way we started. We started it with Wildcats, Mallards, and mm-hmm. they're finishing it with, I believe, Mallards and then Wildcats. So we know how tough that schedule is for them. So I figured if we would go four and two, we'd probably get into the playoffs. That was kind of the goal. Just win both series, right? Beat the Eagles. Not going to be easy, but we know we can do it. Beat the Cobras. Not going to be easy, but we know we can do it. So I told the guys kind of go four and two. And like you just said, with us winning these two games, we control our own destiny, which was huge. Now, no Mm -hmm. matter what the Gators do, we can still get into the playoffs. I mean, best case scenario, they get swept and we don't have to worry about anything for in Vermont. (laughs) But, you know, that'd be nice. But worst case scenario, they sweep. Even if they do sweep the Wildcats, which I know would be super tough because that's a great Wildcats team over there, as we know, battling them opening day and in the World Series last year. Even if they somehow manage to sweep them, 
we still have the talent, I believe, to sweep the Cobras and make the playoffs. Love it. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a really good mindset to have. Just like, I mean, I think Tommy, we can, we can agree. We've gone back and forth uh, on this podcast about the, the ratings we've done ratings, right. A few times for the teams. Um, and I don't really remember what the ratings that we had given the diamondbacks were, but we've said it multiple times to just, if there's one team to not count out, it was the diamondbacks and, um, having that mindset of controlling your own destiny, I think definitely, you know, served you guys well in this series. No, I think it does a hundred percent. Um, just like Jimmy said, like the talent on the Diamondbacks physically has not really changed. They added a couple pieces, but the core of their roster remains the 2021 World Series championship team. And Jack, we talk about these moments and these little things that can add up and to that can play a part in um, you know outcomes of games, outcomes of seasons, all that kind of stuff. And there was a couple things this year for the D-backs, you know, with those few losses, I feel like that just they were not going their way. They get that opening day win with the Bennett home run. And it's like, oh, the D-backs are back. And then they slide and lose five in a row. So it's been a it's been a wild ride for the D-backs. Is that correct, Jim? Five in a row? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because we lost the next two Wildcast and good yep. old Tom's Mallard swept us. Old Tom gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but just wanted to clarify. So it's it's a lot like I've I commented on the Magic Jack, but like I was there last year too, and it feels like no matter what you do. As a manager, as a player, it just feels like it's such an uphill battle. And Jonah, with you delivering in that moment, I truly think that that could be what the Diamondbacks needed to catapult them not only into the playoffs, but to give them that you know that hope and that fire back in their bellies like they had last year. So um, on top of that, in Game 1, Jonah, you homered also in Games 2 and Games 3, another one off of Dallas in Game 3 and a big one. Um, and overall, this is just a competitive series overall. So I want to talk about what that was like and give the fans more insight onto how that battle was between you and Dallas and between the Eagles and the D-backs that day. As someone who just played in the World Series, how did this environment compare? It was it was intense. It gave very, very much playoff energy there. Just, you know, very competitive. They were obviously they were sitting in a comfortable spot, but they still want to win just as bad as we do, and we're fighting for our lives over here. So, you know, we're giving it our all, and they're not going to take us easy. So we just showed up, you know ready to play and ready to try and win. And things kind of went in our favor for once, which was nice for a change this season. (laughs) It's always nice when the ball bounces your way. I wanted to actually, I know we obviously have two Diamondbacks players on right now, but I wanted to um, give the Eagles a little bit of credit um, in the sense that they haven't been very used to losing this year. And and that statistic, that that graphic that was showed at the beginning of the video, um, I I think up and, you know, through three, three series that has to be the most dominant team in the modern MLW area or era, excuse me, by far. Like I agree that like those stats were absolutely ridiculous. And so for a team (laughs) to go in and then, you know, lose on a, on a walk off. Right. And then bounce back in that game too. Like, I think that just, just showed how much both of these teams like wanted it and cared so much about it. Like Jonah said, even though they were in a comfortable spot, like myself watching this video, I, I, thought it, it it you know was a playoff video when i was watching it that was the intensity but yeah. yeah the uh the fans have really been excited about this saying it's like the best upload of the year and it's cool because we've seen that now on several different occasions we saw that in the comment section um for the wildcats versus cobra series we saw it for the all-star game the home run derby um the oklahoma series had the same thing so like saying this over and over and over again from the fans is awesome and i think it shows how good of a product we've been putting out this year um 
And I also wanted to comment, Jack, and to kind of hit home what you just said. With the Eagles being the most dominant team, and with the Diamondbacks coming in with the tied for the worst record in the league, I think how competitive that series was really kind of encompasses what MLW is now, right? We talk about it all the time. An 8-1 first place team playing against a 2-7 and seven Diamondbacks team, and we said it was a playoff-like series is how competitive it was. Mm-hmm. Like, that's unreal. Three, four years ago, that was not the case in MLW. The team with the highest record and the team with the lowest record, those were ugly games. And we, we saw an ugly game last week with the Wildcats and the Magic, but in the National League, it's going to be an absolute dogfight trying to climb to that World Series because although the Gators got swept and they're 3-9, and nine, I still think that we've seen from them the Gators beat this Diamondbacks team a couple weeks ago before the All-Star break. So whoever the three teams end up being in the playoffs, we know it's the Eagles and the Mallards and either the D-backs and the Gator, or the Gators. Um, I truly think that any four of those teams could go on a run and make the playoff or and make the World Series. While I have confidence in my Mallards to do it, I've also seen the Eagles. We got swept by them. Now I see the D-backs, who we swept, just beat the Eagles two out of three. So like it's been so all over the place, which is so awesome. But it's also it's nerve wracking. You know, I know that any given day and any given series, anything can happen. So you really got to bring your A game at all times. I had a I had a question about a specific play in the in this series. If we want to get a little bit deeper, um, so there was a I forget which game it was, um, might have been game three, but there was a a pretty decently hard collision. Um, no, I think it was game two. There's a decently hard collision at first base, um, and Waylon ends up scoring on the play because the the ball was still in play. Um, but w- is that is that the official rules of like, cause I feel like in baseball that would stop the play. If there was a collision like that, would it not at first base or does it just keep going? I don't know. I'm not well versed. Jimmy's the MLB guy. I'll let Jimmy handle this one. No. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, the ball is still alive. That play was just one of those situations where it was a ground ball hit kind of back up the middle. Right. I think Jonah, Jonah, you knocked it down. Yeah. And then Shima was breaking to second, not to cover second, because we never have our first baseman cover second like that. He was just breaking that way in case the ball got past Jonah. So when he flipped it to first, unfortunately, Shima didn't really get there in time, and him and Blade collided. But I feel like in the MLB, that play might just kind of stop just because, I don't know, the base runners just check on themselves, make sure they're okay. Yeah. But, no, you know, the ball's ball's not dead, so there was nothing wrong with what Waylon and Blade did taking the extra base. Shima did a pretty good job picking himself up quickly and getting the ball in so Blade couldn't get any farther. But – yeah, as far as I know, I think in the MLB, that's a live ball. So Yeah, I think Jimmy's right. This is kind of a funny topic, Jack, because you, not being a baseball guy, um, might find this interesting, and as will others who are just kind of wiffle ball fans. So yeah, like you see in football or basketball, like an injury on the floor, like they'll kind of let the play finish, and then the whistle's blown, and it's dead. Or like in baseball, like there could be a guy who just blew out his ACL, and it's just the base runners can be sprinting around the bags. It's It kind of comes down to a respect thing, right? I remember plays like in high school that I had or in my little league days were like, yeah, a guy's clearly injured and the base runners might take an extra bag and everyone kind of checks up. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, okay, someone's actually hurt here. Um, but I've also seen plays in the MLB where the same thing happens where guys will check up at a base. I do recall a play at Comerica Park, though. I think it was Don Kelly and Tory Hunter in right field where they dove for a ball, collided. Um, the ball was not caught. Tory Hunter was hurt or whoever it was. And the ball ends up going to the fence and Don Kelly's like checking on Tory Hunter, making sure he's okay. And the guy, whoever it is, I might be butchering this, but the guy just gets an inside the park home run. He just scored all the way. Around. <laughs> There's no respect. So, like, so it's kind of like an unwritten I mean, rule type thing then. It is kind at, of like an unwritten okay. rule. Yes. I'd have to watch the specific playback you're referring to to see how ugly it was. Um, but yeah, I think if it were me, 
usually, yeah, like if I see a ball's live, like I'm motoring, then if I see a guy's injured, like you usually kind of check up. But something to note, um, I guess that, you, that just shows how competitive it was, right? If guys were still motoring, I mean. I also, there was another play that I think fans uh, may be wondering about that I also wanted to ask Jonah. Um, there was a, he had a play in that game where he actually tagged the guy out uh, by hitting the strike zone um, when attempting to throw and, and I wanted to ask Jonah, first of all, well, for, excuse me, for the listeners, that does count as an out. So you can hit the backstop or the strike zone. Um, if you're skilled enough to hit the strike zone, then that's an out before the runner gets there. But were you, Jonah, strategically aiming to hit that strike zone or was that sort of a lucky flip? I wish I could say that I was aiming for the strike zone. <laughs> but no, the ball, I was ranging over to my right and obviously I'm left handed. So I got the ball, gathered it and since I was moving to the right, I couldn't really like throw it <clears throat> and I can't throw it in my right hand really. So I kind of just had like a little backhand flip and I was aimed like pretty much for like the plate just <clears throat> so I don't miss the backstop or anything. And it just happened to hit the strike zone, honestly. When watching that back and in real time, I remember having this conversation with guys at the field. Jonah, because of the way that you flipped it or like shuffled it towards the plate kind of on a backhand, there wasn't a whole lot of velocity or oomph behind that ball if i could use a little what's that oxymoron is that what that's called mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. that's great yeah. great great vocabulary there i'm so proud of myself nope tommy that's not what oxymoron means <laughs> um but anyway i don't think you would have got the runner because the ball was so weakly thrown that i think you had to hit that zone because of how much closer it was to you if that ball trickles past and goes to the backstop i think the runner will touch home plate before the ball hits the backstop Hence, the benefit of the strike zone rule and the rules being the way they are, it rewards the accurate throw. So, like, it is closer to the thrower. It's kind of a weird quirk of MLW, but Jonah, that was, like, beautiful. You did that exactly how it's drawn up. Like, it was so perfect. But if you think about it, I mean, if if someone from the outfield is good enough to, like, beam in a strike, that, that should be rewarded because... Oh, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what you're aiming to do in baseball as an outfielder, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to put it right where right in the you know mid of the catcher, so he can just quick tag him out. So like if you're in the outfield or even like in Jonah's case, you know more in more in the infield or closer to home plate. I don't know. I like that rule, but I just wanted to clarify that for people and also hear <laughs> hear what Jonah had to say. The D backs, and I'll let them comment on this, but I do think that the D backs on game day and throughout the games throughout the series are putting in like the most productive defensive reps in between innings to prepare themselves for play like that. Jimmy, talk about your guys' routine in between innings out there getting warmed up. <laughs> in between innings, we're, we're the only team who does a coming down, first of all. <laughs> so when, when we throw our final pitch, we have a, a catcher. It's normally me or Joan, I think. Yeah, it's always me or Joan, and one of us will fling that thing down to Shima at second base just to practice throwing wiffle ball and throwing it straight. And actually, before the game starts... You'll see in the videos a lot of times when we're taking BP, say Jonah's, Jonah's hitting and Shima's throwing him BP. You'll see me at shortstop taking reps like it's in-game. Like mm-hmm. I'll field every ball like a ground ball and I'll try to throw it to first, throw it straight. If I'm hitting, Shima's at shortstop doing the same thing. He'll try to field the ball, throw it to first base and throw it cleanly. And we, we're always talking. We always talked about that last year. That's why we're so successful last year. We talk after every pitch, whenever there's a new man on base, where we're going with the ball, where everybody's supposed to be. We just know we know each other's next step, which is so helpful to us. And that's why I think we're so good defensively. Yeah, I, um, I'll give you guys credit. I do think that you are probably the most well-rounded defensive team. And last year, that was really apparent. I think the other guys have taken note of that and realized the importance of defense and have also improved. 
but there's something about the way like I said, it's not that you have one great defender. It's your whole entire team is always on the same page. I think of Michael Shima. He is so consistent and so quick at shortstop. It's like watching Derek Jeter out there getting the ball, quick release, quick transfer, money, throw to first base, say Jonas playing first base. It's just, it's like clockwork. He makes things look routine that in wiffle ball are totally not routine. Like it is so bang, bang in wiffle ball. It's like softball, even more extreme. But Shima is so quick, and I think all these things you're talking about is what factors into that. Tom, I, I have to agree with you 100%. I think it's pretty fair to say I think Shima's one of the best shortstops slash left fielders, whatever you want to call him, in the league. Mm-hmm. And another thing we always talk about is obviously Michael Shima, he struggled with the plate a lot this year. Even though, you know, he's put together some great at-bats, like in game three, that what eight, nine pitch at-bat mm-hmm. in the bottom of the third, bottom of the fourth inning, whatever it was, that was huge. But even though he knows he's struggling at the plate, we always talk about, hey, if you're not helping us at the plate right now, help us somewhere else until that part of your game comes. And in the field, he's been perfect this year. Like, I can't remember a mistake he's made. And like you said, with how great all the other teams have become defensively, I think it's crazy. Like a ground ball, a shortstop, two years ago, my rookie year, that is a hit 10, to- 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. And not, now it's not anymore. And even ground balls back to the pitcher, I feel like that was like, 50 50 maybe and now mm-hmm. it's you're out every time if you're <laughs> back to the picture so it's pretty crazy just to see how mlw's defense has advanced as a whole both both of the defenses like you just said jim i i agree with you when i joined the league in 2016 if i put the bat on the ball and the ball was on the ground i was like pretty it was probably 75 percent chance that i made it to first base it regardless of where it was on the ground and now it's like if you hit it anywhere within like five feet to the right or left of the pitcher, you're probably out unless they like make an error. And so that's been, that's been, you know, that's something that's unique with our league where it's actually an active defense with the pegging and the base running, um, which is what I think makes our content so good, but you're right. It's making it even, even harder on the batters now because everyone is just dialed in defensively. And I think the, I think the magic, I think we could do ourselves some favors and probably take a couple pages out of, the Diamondbacks book, the Eagles book. Uh, Dallas was playing some phenomenal defense. You know, he 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 was giving up some contact, but there were he probably had eight where he it just went right to him. And he just flipped it to first base, like absolutely clinical. Um, so that's a that's a huge huge thing going forward. So the Magic are definitely gonna take take some pages out of your guys' books. Yeah, I think love to hear that, should. Jack. Love to hear it. Everyone should. <laughs> Um, back to you, Jonah. I wanted to ask you one more thing about facing Dallas, who's been, you know, the Cy Young front runner all year long. You were responsible for his first few runs of the year, his first loss of the year as well. Um, but you homered off of him twice, and it's no secret. It wasn't like I don't really think Dallas had an off day. It was just you guys played really well and really competed. So I want to know after now facing him, Jonah, and Jim, you can comment on this too, but what do you think it is that makes Dallas so elite on the mound this year compared to last year? He definitely hits his spots. If if they showed like full at bats of the full video, you would see corner after corner after corner. And it makes it so tough to hit those just because they start, you know, so low or so outside or something. And he just dots right up. And then just to add on to that, like the that screwball that he throws, just like it it picks up that speed when it comes towards the plate and it's just, mm-hmm. just you get a bat on it, you know? Yeah. And if I was going to add to that, honestly, what I would say, too, is coming to the series, it's pretty obvious that Dallas's screw drop, drop, whatever you want to call it, is his main pitch. But what really impressed me with him, and especially being such a young player, and when we faced him last year, it was kind of, okay, this is really the only pitch he has. We'll sit on it and we'll hit it. And that was kind of our mindset coming into it. But what really impressed me is, like, 
I think it was what game three, bottom second, bases loaded, two outs. He's got Jonah in a three-two count, right? If you're Jonah, you have to be sitting on his drop ball there. Like mm-hmm. you know it's coming. And he throws Jonah a disgusting slider yeah. and freezes him. Like the the fact that he has more than one pitch that he can go to right now and throw for strikes is unbelievable. He did the same thing to me a couple times. It's like three-two. It's like I'm gonna sit on his drop ball. If he throws me it, I'm gonna hit it. If he throws me anything else, I'm gonna tip my cap. And he would throw me a nasty rising slider or something that I'm just not expecting. It would hit a corner of the zone, not even the middle of the zone. He'd still play around <laughs> the corner. So it's it's pretty crazy how much he's changed from one year. I think it shows to all the work that he's done. I have nothing respect for him right now as a pitcher. Like the reason he's been so good is because of that hard work. And so it's awesome to see him succeed like that. Yeah, he's definitely put that work in. And you mentioned that slider to Jonah in the 3-2 count in the second inning of Game 3. I actually made a TikTok about that ending today specifically because that was one of the craziest displays of wiffle ball that we've had all year long. The inning starts with the Jonah home run off of a nasty like screw drop ball. And then he strikes out Shima. Then you two both get hits on good pitches. And then Dallas just locks in. He strikes out Shima with like a nasty over-the-top banana ball. And then he gets he gets Heath on the slider. So that was, um, if you haven't seen that already, check it out. And it just displays how much talent was really on the field um, for that game. But it was just, it was unbelievable. It was so fun to watch. And once again, we've talked about this before, but like you forget about things and you forget how hype you were in the moment. But leaving the Meadows that day and cleaning up, I was so excited for this video to be released eventually because I knew like it was going to spark so much hype, not only because it was so competitive, but also just like with you guys beating the Eagles, like the Eagles looked unbeatable up until this point. So it showed that, you know, despite how talented and good they are, but they're they're still human and they're still, you know, young lifters like the rest of us. So nothing's impossible. They are still mortals. Still mortals. There's D- <laughs> Dallas is in fact a human, a not human. a robot. Yes. After I played him, I wasn't so sure, but I can confirm he is human. Yeah. Still pitched pretty good though, man. He did. I mean, it was a couple uh, couple two pitches. Runs, both that, games. Yeah, he put a couple good swings out there, and um, I mean, that's all it takes sometimes, right? You got to capitalize on the opportunities you're given. And you guys did a great job of that. Um, Jimmy, also in this series, you went, the sequence was you, yourself and then Heath and then back to you on the mound. Um, is that kind of the plan for you guys going forward or what do you think? You have Trey in the bullpen also who's seen some time this year, but he is, you know, he's very young. So what do you think is going to pan out the best for the D-backs moving forward? Yeah, you know, it, the Gators and the Wildcats play before us, so it's kind of going to come down to what they do. I okay. would definitely like to throw at least one game no matter what, hopefully Hopefully I only have to throw one or two, but you never know. But uh, like I said with Trey, we're kind of trying to get Trey ready more for next year. He's still young, like you said. He's 15. So uh, we also have – a lot of people don't know is I think Casey Bennett could be a good pitcher. You never know what he can do. It's no secret Jonah struggled a little bit this year, but with that being said, I still have confidence in him. I mean, look what he did last year for us. He was third in the league in ERA, was great in the World Series. So it's going to come down to what the Gators Gators and Wildcats do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Trey, I would like to get him out there. It's going to be a great event for him. If, if we have to win games, obviously I'm, it's going to be me and Jonah. If we don't, I'd like to get Bennett in there. I'd like to get Trey in there. So we'll just see what it comes down to. You, uh, Jonah, obviously that, that game, too, that you pitched didn't go your guys' way, but it was good to see you back out there. And for the most part, I mean, I thought you looked pretty – pretty comfy out there how did how did that game like go in your mind even though obviously having the loss wasn't what you wanted but how did you feel honestly didn't feel too bad I thought my stuff was moving I was for the most part hitting spots I think they had a couple little weak ground balls that got guys on base which sometimes you just can't do anything about it and then 
even Jimmy told me after the series, I was a little upset that I, I said, you know, we could have up if I, you know, locked in a little bit more. And he said, you know, I didn't pitch bad. I, I just threw one bad pitch to Dan. And that's what changed the game. So, I mean. I don't even know if it was a bad pitch. I think Dan just made a great yeah. hit. Like, that was a Dan's good pitch. A guy, Dan's a guy who puts his best swing on every single ball he swings at. A lot of times he misses, but sometimes I'll throw him, a, you know, back in the day when I was actually a good pitcher. I'd throw him a drop ball, you know, down and away, and I'd just be looking at the ball going over the fence, just shaking my head. Like, how did he do it again? That <laughs> dirty dog. <laughs> He's that kind of guy, though. He is. He can strike at any at any point in time. He's a good hitter. So, overall, I really not too upset with it. You know, yeah, it has been a rough year on the bump, but I felt like that was probably the best, best stuff I've had, the most comfortable I've been all year so far. Yeah, I agree. I thought you looked better out there against the Eagles, for sure. I mean, yes, they, they beat you, but at the end of the day, that could be an important step of confidence moving forward, just seeing that you're able to locate and mix it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, adding on to that, Jonah's only made three starts this year, I think. And one was against the Wildcats, who they've just seen him a ton the year before in the World mm-hmm. Series. Yeah, that's tough. And he goes up against the Mallards, who just absolutely raked <laughs> off of me. So they had all the momentum. And that's a great offense. And then, of course, he just makes one bad pitch to Dan. So going forward, obviously, if I need to use Jonah, he's still definitely the number two in my eyes. And I still have a lot of confidence in him right now. Right on. As you should. You two are you two are a couple uh, just the one two punch. I like that. I posted a video of you guys on TikTok like a month ago now of you two when you were when you were young and to now and it's it's cool to see the friendship and I think that plays a lot into the success of the Diamondbacks. But uh, I'm excited. You guys got the Cobras in Vermont with the mini MLB series, which should be fantastic. I mean, I know it was fantastic. I was there, so what am I talking about? But um, I'm very excited for the fans to see that video and to experience what we did, as well as for me me and us to relive it as well, because I know for you guys, that was a pretty memorable experience. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Kyle does with that video, too. I know he's definitely thinking he's got something up his sleeve, so it'll be cool I, I to know, see. I know. That'll be, a, that'll be a one to grind out for sure for Kyle, so um, prayers up to him now in advance, but that'll be a long week. Um, but I want to ask you, while I have you guys, too, that you did the D-backs elected to, and it was their idea for the record, they elected to road trip to Vermont instead of flying. <laughs> I want to know what what a 13-hour car ride looks like with the Diamondbacks roster. You know, it's uh it's a lot of music, a lot of a lot of loud singing, not great singing. We had uh <laughs> let's see who's in that car. So it was me, Jonah, Shima, Casey Bennett, and then we also took Gus from the Cobras. Gus and Shima did most of the driving. So it was pretty funny with those guys. I think the reason we elected uh, uh, drive is honestly, we kind of took a team vote. That team vote was me, Jonah, and Shima. I think Jonah was the only one who really elected to fly. Oh, uh, Jonah, <laughs> me poor and Jonah. Shima are not big airplane guys. I will get on an airplane when I have to. Like, I don't know. I don't hate it, I guess. I know Shima's only flown once and he said he didn't love it, but. Okay. So. We, we elected to drive, and it's funny. Bennett talks about it all the time. Bennett goes, man, I'm glad we drove. That kid had a blast. I don't know why. Well, was Bennett behind the wheel, or who was actually who was actually driving is the question. Who was driving? Yes. Uh, Gus Gus, for the, Gus and Shima for the most part. I wonder how those two felt about the Yeah, trip. I don't know if they loved it. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they loved it, but, you know, we, we managed. We got through the first day. We, uh, or we took two days on the way there to get there, and then the way back was – 13 and a half hours one day back so it was pretty funny sure i mean we made day. memories and we got closer as a team i mean obviously me jonah and Shima are already pretty close but i feel like casey bennett like he like you said he loved the trip and he yeah, got I heard closer him saying he had us, a good so. time I, I mean i've said it before talking about the oklahoma trip and being a passenger with some of your buddies on a long card like that can be can be a, a great a great time but um driving driving that drive is a different story so I'll, I'll have to talk to shima soon and see what he thinks about the road trip shima and gus 
Gus was the honorary. He was the Cobra. He was the enemy in that series, but uh, he took the road trip with the fellas. And I saw you guys saw Niagara Falls, right? Went through Buffalo. That's right. Yeah. We went to Niagara Falls. That was really cool. We saw it on the American side, not the Canadian side, but Mm -hmm. it was still really cool. I've never been there. Me neither. I still haven't. It was, it was actually really cool. It was a lot cooler than I expected. When we first, like, I think it was Gus's idea, which if you know our friend group, that's like definitely something Gus would bring up. Not any of us. We don't really ever care. So I was, like, I was like, sure. I was like, sure, Gus, I'll go. Like, why not? And I didn't really think much of it. But when we got there, it was actually, it was actually really cool. So I'm glad we did it. Yeah, it looked cool. And the pictures you guys took were funny. But um, looking at the D-backs remainder of the season, like I said, they have the Cobras in Vermont. And the situation, like Jimmy said, is they do control their own destiny. The Gators own the tiebreaker against them. However, if the D-backs win more games than the Gators in this final slate, they will be the three seed in the National League. So it's the battle for the three spot, and they will play either the Eagles or the Mallards in the NLDS. So good luck to you guys in that series, and thank you for joining us tonight, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. See you guys soon. See you guys. And at this time, I would like to once again shout out the Merlin's Amulet podcast. Arcadia, the center of the universe, well, for trolls, extraterrestrials, and wizards, that is, is what the Merlin's Amulet podcast is all about. It's a rewatch podcast on the Tales of Arcadia series on Netflix, where Noah, the host, will cover all three shows, being the Troll Hunters show, Three Below, Wizards, and the final movie, Rise of the Titans. Watch and listen along to each episode as Noah dives into themes, character arcs, and of course, the humor of each episode. The first episode is out now and it is available on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts every single Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Please tune in to join Noah on his underworld journey of Merlin's Amulet. Once again, guys, I checked out that show myself in the intro and it was pretty cool and well done. So I highly encourage you to check all that out. And thanks, Noah. So, Jack, I think we recapped that last series pretty well. Um, it was intense. If you haven't seen that video yet, you it's a must-watch. It was unbelievable. The competitiveness, the talent levels, the back and forth, the drama. It was just all around incredible and um everyone involved in that series should be proud of their efforts and i cannot wait to see if it happens those two teams again in the playoffs would be electric it would be so electric that like i said kind of in that interview watching this video i i watched it pretty pretty soon before we started recording this and um i mean i think it's the it's the best one it's 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 definitely top top three or top two that's come out this year. Top two, not two. Top two, not two. I mean, it was so intense <laughs> the whole time. Um, I mentioned it, how I was really impressed with the Eagles, how they didn't really, um, you know, sometimes teams that have some young players on them in any sport, really, if, if, if they're having success all the time, that can not necessarily be a good thing. You know, it because when they, when they meet adversity, it can kind of go the other way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't really see that from the Eagles. And even though they lost this series, um, I think it's actually going to be kind of a good thing for them to sort mm -hmm. of bring them back down to earth. And um, because if they kind of just rode through this regular season, you know, and and coasted and continued to win, once they get into the playoffs, I mean, they just, I don't think they would have as much fire, you know? I mean, you'd love to see them continue to win, but it's almost like, you got to cut them down a little bit before they can build themselves back up and, and really be that world series team. So I think overall it was, it was uh sort of a blessing in disguise for the Eagles. And I think Dan might agree. I think I agree with you 100% Jack. Um, just from personal experience, we just went through the exact same thing when the Eagles swept us. Um, it sucked, you know, it hurt and it felt like a bummer and I was disappointed and it leaves you kind of wondering, 
but sometimes it's kind of the kick in the butt you need and it really the mental test that you need to see okay are we really contenders or are we just another team in the wash here so when we came out for the Gators series in Oklahoma we were just fired up and hungry to redeem ourselves with that loss and I think you might see a very similar thing in the Eagles when they take the field against the Predators to conclude their regular season so I think it is good for young guys like Dallas to be tested early on and to have, you know, some high pressure pitches and high pressure innings under his belt going into the playoffs instead of coasting through it. Um, I think that could benefit them a lot in the long run. Um, a couple more things I wanted to add to about Dallas is Jimmy mentioned how like Shima did a good job of not letting his struggles at the plate get in the way of his defense. I want to say the same thing about Dallas in this series, whereas um, not only did his pitching First of all, he didn't really struggle. He just got hit yeah. a couple times. But <laughs> I wouldn't call he it also, struggling. I wouldn't either. It was just he got beat in a couple different at-bats. But anyway, um, he did a great job at the plate. And although he didn't get rewarded for it a whole lot, he put the ball in play a whole lot. And just he seemed very upbeat and positive, And he didn't seem like he was all over the place mentally at that series. I still That stuck with me to this day. That's how memorable it was seeing him still being in good mood, even despite you know ruining his perfect ERA and his perfect season. Um, it just showed a lot about his maturity, I think. And I expect, like I said, I expect that to fuel a fire in the Eagles and to be a test that they need in order to propel themselves to win the big games down the stretch. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, just the the competitiveness of this series, I think at this point, I think we can all agree that like records don't really mean a whole lot. You know, in this league, anyone can kind of beat anyone. And so it's going to be interesting how the playoff the playoffs end up shaking out in the NL. Um, but I don't know, man. It's just like I mean, at this at this point, like we're talking about how good the D-backs are and stuff like that, but there's still a chance that this team does not make the postseason. Isn't that wild? Yes, that's what's so crazy to think about is um records don't matter as long as you're one through three. If you find yourself the, number four, then that's that. But yes. I, mean, I felt the same way, Jack, when I missed the playoffs in 2020, when we were seven and eight, and there was three, eight, and seven teams in front of us, I was like you know, I liked our chances against any of those teams in a big game situation, but we just didn't win enough games. So like you said, record, as long as you're in that top three, you are 100% in the mix to win yourself a championship. Absolutely, 100%. And I think to echo what you said, getting uh, Dallas some more um, playoff-like experience, you know, it was sort of like mm-hmm. a playoff-like simulation um, that Agreed. I think is going to just benefit them a whole, you know, as a team, that's just going to benefit them a lot. And like I mentioned mm-hmm. in the interview, I thought he did a really good job just defensively. He was they were making contact consistently, but he was just shutting them down. It was just first base, first base, you know, right off the ground, mm-hmm. first base, just every time. It was like a masterpiece. Um, and they didn't they didn't end up getting the job done uh in the series, but I think the I think the Eagles would be all right. I'm still I would still pick the Eagles, um, like if I had to right now pick a World Series team out of the NL, I would still pick the Eagles, uh, even though even though they fell to the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Sorry, but... No, no, no. I think that's a totally fair take. Just like how we swept the D-backs, but got swept by the Eagles, like um, a lot can happen in this league, and I think the consistency of the Eagles, and for the reasons we just said, kind of puts them in a good position to still make the World Series, but anything can happen, Jack. I, I still think that um, the Gators, if they were to sneak in over the D-backs, could cause some chaos. I have a lot of faith in my guys in green. So it's like anything can happen. It's going to be exciting. Another another thing to note, uh, just a stat to monitor, if the Diamondbacks do end up uh, squeaking into the playoffs over the Gators and happen to play the Eagles, there it, it was said in the, in the video, but 
Um, I want to say with this last series now, the Diamondbacks are like five and one or six and one in the last seven, six or seven games or whatever the stat is that they've played against the Eagles. Um, okay. So at, at some point, I guess you got to question whether it's a, yeah. a matchup thing. You know what I mean? Because that's basically well over the be. last two years, really. The Diamondbacks are the same team. The Eagles have certainly uh, sort of transformed this year and, and leveled up a little bit, yeah, but they still couldn't club. get the job done against the Diamondbacks. So that might be something to to keep in mind, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Hey, I'll just keep saying it. I mean, at the All-Star break, I said you cannot count out those Cats and the D-backs. There's just a lot of talent. There's good leadership, and they're just good all-around clubs, and they've been in the big games. And this was like pretty much do-or-die time for the D-backs, even though the Gators got swept. Like those wins are huge and really mm-hmm. they do put themselves in the driver's seat to make the postseason, but they have a good Cobras team in a foreign environment while the Gators take on the Cats. Um, for the Eagles, um, they do control their own destiny for the one seed as well still. Um, and slate number five, the final slate of the year, the Mallards will take on the Magic, which is a favorable matchup for the Mallards, whereas the Eagles will take on the Preds. Um, that's a little lopsided there, but we'll see what happens. Speaking of the Preds, um, they are the ones that are rounding off this fourth slate of games in their matchup against the Cobras next Friday. Um, that's going to be a good one, Jack. Those are the top two teams right now in the American League. Um, any thoughts you want to share? I think going into it, I have the Predators winning this series. I'll go 2-1. I think Baranowski's too good of a too good of a pitcher to not take one of those two games that he pitches. But I do think the Preds are just hitting the ball so well right now and have so much momentum that I think that they're going to clean up and take two out of three. What do you think? Yeah, um, I don't know. This 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 rivalry is always tough for yeah, me. Yeah, it is true. Um, it's always tough. I love I love my Preds boys, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. so I I don't want to be biased and favoring them, but the series that I played against the Cobras just it it just sticks in my mind. Um, okay, more more than more than some more than a lot of series that I've played over the past few years. Just at how uh how confident Baranowski was and how many strikes he was just throwing. Um, and he's been solid, rock solid all year long. I know that Dallas Allen has sort of had the spotlight. Um, and I think, you know, Baron's kind of flying under the radar and that's sort of helping. That's sort of helping the Cobras in a way. Um, and I think that the Cobras without having to, um, rely so much on drew to carry their team on the mound, um, and kind of live or die by how Drew plays. Um, I think that's serving them well and kind of, um, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of the right words, but it's sort of just, it, it, they're having more fun out there to me when I watch the Cobras this year. It's less stressful. It's less, um, you know, so reliant, like I said, on Drew pitching. They have Baron. They have... Sawyer right and Mm -hmm. if Drew needs to he can be there but really Drew is just focusing on his bat so I think I mean it's it's you know I feel like I say this every series but um, I think it's going to be a really tight series and uh, I'd I'd have to have the Cobras edging them out with 2-1 okay so yeah it's gonna be a battle you mentioned the rivalry that definitely does factor into it Um, there's some there's some bad blood between these two teams over the years they played in a dog fight last year in the pouring rain a series that ended up costing the Preds the postseason. So um, I expect the Ryan and Baranowski both to be dialed in on the mound. I could see some low-scoring games in this one. And um, I think that num- that game two, Sawyer versus um, 
McGlade is a very interesting matchup where the bats could shine and could turn into a shootout. So I could see low scoring games, high scoring games, but overall I think it's going to be another another thriller. A little another tilly. Another thriller. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of barn burners in slate four. Let's a couple put it that of barn way. Burners. Nothing better than that. Speaking of barn burners, Jack, did you see that Florida State versus LSU game last night? No, I did not. I've been. Did you I've hear been. About I'm. It? I'm. I haven't even. No, I haven't. Oh my god, Jack! I've been. You have I've been to listening to these highlights. I spent Watch this weekend. I spent this weekend uh, with my girlfriend out of town in, in a little cabin. Uh, no Walked internet. Away. No TV. That's actually re- awesome. Hit, hit the reset button. So no, I haven't been. I've barely been on the internet, honestly, this entire weekend. That's so I unfortunately refreshed? didn't How does it see. Feel? It. I do. It was. A, it was an awesome little uh, getaway and. Um, I felt like I hit the reset button and I had a lot of fun. Um, and I think everyone, I would encourage everyone to do that every once in a while. You know, technology is great, but um, it feels even better to put your phone down and go, you know, watch a sunrise or take your shirt off and soak up some sun. Like, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't really hit the reset button like that. Like, cool, like hard, no internet, no TV, nothing like that in years. Um, I did have nice cell thing. service, so I don't want to act like I was, you know, cutting my own firewood down in the <laughs> in the woods or anything. Like I did have cell service, and we had a car, and we lived, you know, or we were staying not too far out of town. Okay. Um, but it, it, it's, but it still way, was, it was it was still a detach. It was still a yes, detach. it was yes. I think me and Kyle should do that in the off season. We should have like a two or three day period where like I take over the socials for three days, and then he I can log off for a couple of days, and he can do the same. That would probably be good for the both of us. Yeah, I'm, well, it's I'm hard. Sure. It's hard. You feel guilty stepping away. Um, like I, I was, I also um, was out of town this weekend, but I was still working remotely. Um, wasn't like I was working, you know, eight to twelve hour days or anything like that. Like I do here a lot, but I was getting in the work that needed to be done. And um, anyway, it was hard. Like I do feel guilty, like not checking my phone and going on TikTok every night, seeing what's going on, that kind of stuff. Checking through the emails, monitoring that kind of stuff. But I think you do need to. Uh, it's it's a balance, right? It's a balance where you can't. Yeah. You can't be doing twice a week. We're like, ah, I'm not going to do anything. But yeah, <laughs> maybe once a year for a couple of days, taking a couple of days to yourself, I think is probably you, a healthy practice. You may feel guilty, Tom, but I think that you would find in the long run, if Beneficial. you, if you, yeah, if you took a, you know, maybe a few more days than you would feel comfortable with to do that type of stuff, you'd actually probably be more productive and get more out of your working hours when you are locked in, dedicated to you know, strictly, like you said, eight, 12 hours a day doing whatever needs to be done so that this channel keeps growing. Um, but I think right. that, yeah, I think it's important. Like you said, a balance, balance is, is key in, mm-hmm. in all things. Yeah, no, you're right, Jack. I, I appreciate the advice, but, um, where I started this conversation was, yeah, you should check out the look up Florida state versus LSU highlights. It was wild. It was a okay. Sunday night college football game. It was the only game on yesterday. It was absolutely nuts. I kind of had it. We were playing cards we had it on in the background, and then like I could hear the announcers just roaring through the fourth quarter. So then, like a minute left, I turned around and watched the game. You will not be disappointed with the with the finish there. I, I but, love some good football highlights. I'm so NFL stoked that football's this week. back. Let's go, boys! Let's I, felt, go. I feel like I've done. <laughs> I feel like I've done like 15 fantasy football drafts. I swear, oh, I, I'm so ready to go for NFL. I just it's funny because yeah, but, no, go ahead. I was gonna say I just did one, but I'm a, I'm a little disappointed, displeased with the old commish, Mr. Noah Davrico, as our our league Ooh. that I've been a part of for this is my sixth season, I think. We have expanded from twelve teams to fourteen teams, Ooh. and let me tell you, it's brutal. And I That's did tough. not draft very well. 
I also got the 14th pick in the draft, in the snake draft, and drafting back-to-back every time was stressful. Um, I will say that I did not manage it the best, and my team's not looking... I'm usually excited about my team, and I think I've been good for many, many years. I think this could be the year where it's 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 ugly in, in my corner. But spe- speaking of vocabulary, we have done a little bit of vocabulary on this podcast at one point, and it was mm-hmm. bugging me, and I don't want anyone to pick it out, but earlier in the interview, when you said the word oomph, and then you called it an oxymoron and then credited yourself for the vocabulary. I don't think that's what an oxymoron is. Dang it. What's that it is called? A, that is called an onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. Is what that See, word Jack, is. I'm an idiot. Now, no, you're I, not. No, I you're not. Like, here's the problem. Here's you're the problem not. We have. Here's the problem we have, Jack. Do I leave it in for the people that make it to the end of the podcast, then hear yes. you correct me? Or do I edit it out to make myself seem smarter? That's the problem I have right now. No, I think you leave it in um, because then we'll really know who the real ones are. Um, because if they're commenting, yeah, saying that Tommy not, doesn't... Not correct. No, an oxymoron, <laughs> an, an example of an oxymoron would be like jumbo shrimp. That's right? correct. That's, yes. that, that's an example. Onomatopoeia <laughs> is like... It. Onomatopoeia is like pow or like bam. Yes, or oomph. bam or oomph. Okay. It's a, it's a it word that... It started with an O. It started with yes, an O. I tried. Yes. You were there. You were there. Guys, but I say you leave it in because then we'll know the real ones um, because they won't be the ones who comment and go, Tommy has terrible vocabulary. He doesn't know what an oxymoron is. Well, now I do know what an oxymoron is. No, you do. So anyway, guys, um, yeah, football season's here. We're excited. I'm sure me and Jack will chime in every now and then with our uh, thoughts on the NFL and college football and whatnot, but... I'm excited. It's the best time of the year, and I'm ready to cozy up on a Sunday and and watch some football. So that's that. Probably should wrap this one up, and uh, it'll be a good one next week when we break down the Cobes versus Preds series. So, Jack, thanks for joining us. Shout out to Jimmy and Jonah for joining us as well. And thanks again to Merlin's Amulet for sponsoring. Be sure to check out that podcast. We will see you guys next week.